When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate demons for this hell. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. A damn lie, I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it in illusions, man. None of it is true. All right, welcome back to the Deep Share. I am honored to have a neighbor of mine who we've never met, but we've been talking for off and on for a good year now because of everything that's been going on in the world. And I would love to welcome Dr. Robin Drury. Thank How are you, you doing, so Robin? I'm wonderful. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so glad to have you. And I'm so glad we ended up running into each other on a digital medium at some point, you know? I know. Social media can be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got it's to work for us to buy into it, right? Exactly. In the first place. So let's give my audience a little bit of background into what you do and how you feel about everything that's going on. <laughs> well, let's just stick to your background first. <laughs> Start simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So let's see. So I was trained. I've been a yoga instructor uh, from the time I was in college all the way. So that's about 20 years. I've been studying and uh, sharing yoga and meditation with people in various forms and um, very grateful for that. It's led me into a lot of other things, right? Mm -hmm. So at one point, I think I was a yoga teacher. I had seven jobs. I was an <laughs> art model. I was working retail. I was a babysitter. Um, I was teaching yoga at like two or three different studios. And that's like what your twenties is for. Right. And so I, but I looked at what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I was like, this is not sustainable. And so I was sharing with my mother who I'm very close with. I'm very, very fortunate to have a mother who's awake. And she said, um, well, why don't you be a chiropractor? And I said, I 
don't like, isn't that a lot of science, right? Like my training, I was an art history major. I studied French and Italian and theater. I was not interested in (laughs) any science at all. And she said, well, you know how to learn and learning is learning and you can learn science. You can learn, you know, that's the whole point of getting a college education from her perspective is you learn how to think and how to learn and how to be, how to express yourself in the world. And uh, once you know that, then you can apply that to anything. And my uncle is a chiropractor who's actually quite well known in the chiropractic world. Um, He helped develop the technique that I practice, which is called applied kinesiology. And he, and, and he went to the school where I went. So she's like, Alan, you know, uncle Alan went to, uh, to life university in Georgia. Why don't you just call this school and find out what are the credentials, right? So the prerequisites, actually 50% of them were waived because of my GPA uh, during my undergrad. And so I actually like very easily could go to chiropractic school, which I was like, you know, I kind of thought, I was like, okay. And I was working, I was also working for an acupuncturist at the time. And she looked at me and she said, you know, Robin, you could be an acupuncturist. You, you have, you have the ability, you have the affinity for supporting people in their healing to do this. And I thought about that. And what made the decision for me was using my body to facilitate someone's healing versus using needles, right? That's, that was the main difference as I perceived it. And, um, and I chose my body because I am extremely kinesthetic and I already had, a foundation in anatomy and, uh, and movement from my yoga training. And so I went to chiropractic school and now I'm a practicing chiropractor. I I have my own practice, uh, in central Massachusetts and I'm a life coach. I parlayed over the years. I had clients, patients come in who wanted more of a conversation, a deeper conversation around health and healing than what I could do in 15 minutes with an adjustment you know? Mm. And so we started scheduling 30 minutes or 45 minutes and I would give them energetic tools. I would give them meditations. I would, uh, talk to them about fasting or coffee enemas or, you know, (laughs) like all of the fun stuff that I talk about with my clients. And, um, and I get, so I get to support, especially women in Mm -hmm. their healing and in their reclamation of their bodies and of their selves. So that's, and now I'm I'm doing more and more online. I lead an online women's group called it embodied mythology, where we study goddess yoga together. Um, I have a bunch of classes that are available online for people who are, they're just basically toolkits, right? They're the things that I give my clients for people who I can't do sessions with. And so if someone's like, well, I have anxiety and stress all the time, what do I do? It's like, well, here, here, here are 30 things for you to do that take two seconds and require, you know, zero level of, you know, awareness or ability. You know, it's like very simple beginner basic things. Um, but I've just kind of collected them over the years. So I have these huge, I have like vast amounts of resources that now I'm trying to make available to a broader audience than my little central, Ma- central Massachusetts. <laughs> so you're doing a great job. Oh, I, thank I, you. I love your posts. I love your videos and your work. And I know you, <laughs> yeah, you do focus mainly on women and, and I think that's great. Um, do you, 
what would uh would someone like me still benefit from your classes though what does yes. it work on both okay good okay yep yep so the classes so let's see so the embodied mythology is specifically a women's class right okay and i have like an embodied menstrual class like i would not recommend that for you right <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> that's not going to be relevant but there's um there's an immunity toolkit there's mm. a well-being toolkit those um those toolkits are not they're not based on gender at all, mm -hmm. right? They're just tons of resources, basically. Um, they're audios and videos and PDFs that I've written and protocols of supplements that you can use to support your body and healing itself. Um, yeah, that's awesome. so that's, so the majority of my work is actually, it used to be like all women, right? And mm -hmm. now I've had more and more men asking me for resources and tools. So I have, um, I think it's like wellness with Dr. Robin is a monthly class that I do. And I have men and women attend that, right? It's That's just great. a wellness class. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And, you know, you touched on my favorite theme of all the, I, I really respect that the way you made your decision to go into your line of work with chiropractic practice was based on doing it yourself rather than using an external third party tool, like a well, needle. And the adjustment still is something external, right? Fair like enough, that is yeah. still something that is being done passively to the body. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that I grapple with continuously because I don't believe that the body needs anything external in order to heal. I'm right there um, with you. <laughs> yeah. And so, so my husband and I, so he's also a chiropractor. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so he's like, well, the one adjustment that, you know, you could argue for would be the upper cervical, right? Like your Atlas, because mm. the neurology of that segment, um, it innervates itself. So when it is dysfunctioning, it is not aware of itself. It cannot unlock itself, but you know, you could argue the other way that if everything else around it is moving well, and you, that you can get moving itself, right. That is helped by other, like every other part of your body is basically innervated by a different part of it, a different right. segment, right? It's neurology is really complicated, but <laughs> essentially you, there is one argument that you could make that we can't heal ourselves or we can't get moving ourselves, mm. but I don't know if I even agree. So I'm a well, terrible chiropractor in some respects. <laughs> I'm like, like you don't need chiropractic. You don't need anything. Well, maybe we could frame it. What do you think of this? That because of our contemporary conditions, because of the society and the way it has gone yeah. for nefarious reasons or just natural, we've lost our ancient memory. I don't know if we, I buy that, but you know what I'm well, saying? Well, we've lost. I think that there are roadmaps and I think that chiropractic is one I mean, that's one of the things that you can do that's the least invasive to your body, right? You um, and I think that most people in the West, if you have a if you have a lifestyle where you're trying to care for children and go to work and um, you know, live, right? The way that most of us live, we don't have time to move for hours and hours every day. And that's actually what our bodies are designed to do. And that is how we're designed to heal. So the more movement that someone is doing throughout the day, the less they need something like chiropractic or, I mean, that's, I mean, really anything, right? Like massage, acupuncture, right. herbs, right. supplements, Medicine right? of any kind. Right. Absolutely. Holistic or not. Right. And what the holistic world has done is it's just it's just put 
an allopathic model into like using natural elements, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're using supplements to get rid of symptoms, you're still using something to get rid of symptoms, right? Like that's not the idea. The idea is that your body is a self-healing, self-regulating mechanism and that the intelligence within your body is much greater than your cognitive mind can ever understand. And the goal is to become clear about what you are doing. So symptoms in my world, symptoms are the healing process. So when your body, when you find a lump or you're anxious or you're not sleeping well, your metabolism's off or you get a headache, that is the healing process right then, that symptom, right? And so your body is responding and your body is always right. Your Mm -hmm. body is all, it is designed to heal. It is always correct. It is always appropriate. It is always a genius. And your thinking mind that's reacting to it is always or generally wrong, right? Yeah. So, so for me, helping people is about helping them remember how like these basic tools in like getting out of your body's way and also figuring out what's that stimulus that your body is reacting to, right? Is it an environmental toxin? Is it something you've put into your body? Is it a relationship? Mm -hmm. Is it a thought pattern? Is it what you're eating? Is it, you know, what is it? Because once you remove that, then the body can clean itself up. Right. And it doesn't have to continue with the healing process. Right. So supplements and things like that, you could almost say that this is to help get us back to a place where our bodies can behave the way they were meant to, you know, maybe the supplement business won't be booming in 20 years, but it won't be a bad thing in, in all ways. Yeah. If we (laughs) ate beef liver, we wouldn't need supplements. If we did. Yeah. If we ate beef beef liver, we just, we wouldn't need supplements. What does the beef liver have that say for like, so for instance, from my wife's vegan perspective, right. And she's, she was, a a chef basically she was an she still is an amazing cook but she's undergone such a a cognitive transformation in the way she sees food right Mm -hmm. and a lot of it starts with emotion and her feeling about animals and the holistic situation we're in so beef liver she she has researched and, and kind of pointed to these these people that suggest that what we get from animals is what they're actually getting from what they eat Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit. So beef liver, it's more of like the pill form of the natural way to get whatever the cow's eating or something. So (laughs) a cow should be eating green vegetables, right? A cow should be eating grass. Mm -hmm. And then it takes all of those green vegetables and it creates, it creates protein. Mm -hmm. And we are designed to break down and metabolize protein and fat. Those are our most efficient nutrient resources. Um, Uh, so beef liver, so because, so the liver has over 500 functions in your body. And because of that, it is an extreme, it is the most nutrient dense organ, right? Because it requires the most nutrients in order to function in 500 Mm -hmm. different ways in metabolic processes. It produces cholesterol, which is vital to our hormone balance, right? Cholesterol is the base of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it along with the gallbladder metabolizes fat on the body, right? Uh, it filters all of the blood of our body every three minutes. And so when, if we're looking for, so basically 
there are, um, there's a great account on Instagram called Carnivore Aurelius, and he posts um, about beef liver frequently. Mm-hmm. And uh, he posts nutrient lists, right? Like what is in beef liver? And I mean, I want to say there are between 20 and 30 nutrients in terms of, I mean, like vitamins and minerals in beef liver that we are, because our soil has been ruined. And so vegetables don't have the nutrient density that they did even 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Um, We would need to eat, I think it's 50, 50 heads of broccoli to get the amount of what of uh, calcium or perhaps iron that was in one head of broccoli 60 years ago. Right. So the, so for us to get appropriate nourishment from the food we eat, we actually have to change the, excuse me, the food that we eat. And what that means is eating food that is consciously raised and eating the diet that it needs to be eating. And eating grass-fed beef is actually wonderful for the environment. It's a negative um, impact. I mean, like, so instead of like having a positive impact on greenhouse emissions, it has a negative Mm -hmm. impact, right? So it means like, meaning it takes away, it's actually regenerating the earth to support your local farmers and, um, and to, to eat the beef and to eat all of the pieces. So this is something that I'm working on, right? I have friends who are hunters um, who help me, who are helping me. I used to be vegan. Um, I used to be, I was vegan for a long time. And then my yoga teacher looked at me and said, you need to eat animal protein. Your nervous system is not well. And I said, oh, that's uncomfortable. And I did, and she was right. And then in chiropractic school, I, I think that I was eating think I was gluten-free, but I was eating meat. Yeah, I was eating meat, but I was not eating enough. And I was eating gluten-free and I thought that that meant I was healthy. I had terrible skin. I have a lot of acne and I was really stressed out, lots of inflammation. And, um, and I was in a board review for national boards and the, the guy was like, you guys need to double your protein intake and double your fat intake. And here's the sources of fat that you need. And it was all like eat bacon, right. And eat, you know, eat fat, eat avocados and olives and nuts and seeds and bake and bacon and burgers were like on the list. And I was like, I can't, you know, but then I started and lo and behold, my skin cleared up and like all my health issues went away. So because, because an animal is converting all of those foods into the, the meat of its body, literally, and not just the meat, but like we use the bones and we make bone broth, right? Uh, The beef, the liver is by far the most nutrient dense part of the animal. And for people uh, in my office who I see are extremely depleted, I recommend that they start eating beef liver and you can do it in different ways. You can cook it and eat it. You can dehydrate it into chips, right? And you can kind of like a, like a jerky almost, right? Mm -hmm. Some people like to cut it into cubes and they freeze it and then they just take it like a pill, right? They just (laughs) swallow it and they take it. But it has, it, I mean, talk about micronutrients. It has all of them because it's doing so much work for that animal. So it's profound and it changes. I mean, when you're, when you're working with animals in that way, and you are in right relationship with 
your consumption and you know the farmer and how those animals are being treated and raised. There's a completely different level of karma and you're satisfied with less because the nutrition that you're getting is deeper nutrition, right? right. Like I just saw a list of nutrients that for raw milk that included copper and like other <laughs> minerals and like minerals that we need. And I was like, they're in raw milk. My husband drinks raw milk. He, we love it. Right. We're, we're a raw milk house. Um, but I couldn't, I just thought it was protein. You know, I just thought it was like good protein and good enzymes. It's helped him heal his gut right up, which is awesome. Um, but I had no idea that it had, it has a huge array. So carnivore Aurelius is a really good resource for learning what like the nutrient lists are, or you can, I'm sure it's available online, but it's vast. It's vast. I'll I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so interesting about the, the broccoli reference, right? So we're growing our own food here and we've been doing it just one season, one year so far, you know, uh, we started in the spring um, and we're just learning, you know, this is like our proto garden for when we have way more land someday. Yeah. But, um, you know, the seeds that you get would probably be the same seeds. Like, is there an escape from that? you know, one fiftieth of the nutrients in, in, you know, like if we're getting seeds from home Depot or something like that, they're obviously going to be the seeds that are going to produce one fiftieth of the nutrients that used to be in plants or whatever. So is there an escape from that on the veg veg, vegetation side? Do you think? I think it's, um, I think that it's a, a huge, a huge amount can be done with soil amendment, right? And yeah. if you're composting, I think that you're getting a lot more nutrients back into the soil, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're using manure in your compost as part of your regenerative um, soil practices. I think that buying heirloom varieties of seeds, which are harder to grow typically, but those varieties have been tended and have been sort of stewarded. And I think that they likely have, I'm not, so I'm not like an expert farmer gardener person. Um, So I could be completely wrong about this, but I think that those varieties would have more nutrients because they've been, I mean, they haven't been mass farmed. So the farms that they've been growing are small family operations, right. That are taking care of their soil. And I think that, um, that, yeah, you have more of a chance of, I mean, and I eat vegetables, right? I'm not saying that I only oh, eat no, I know. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, so the no. carnivore diet. <laughs> I have not gotten there yet. Um, I do cold showers. I do a lot of miserable things. I'm, I'm not yet only eating meat, but yeah, so we eat vegetables. I, I get as much as I can from local farms because I, yeah. I trust that you know, they're doing more work to amend their soil. And I know that they're not amending it with toxins. So, and that's a karmic thing right there. Just the hard work being put into doing something that's not going to get you that huge national farmers profit margin, you know, but are doing the work to benefit the future really. Yeah. You know, that's great. That's great. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know you talk a lot about mudras and I don't know a lot about that angle of it. And I'd like to hear more because when it sounds to me like I could connect it to maybe other cultural systems that I've heard of. And I'm, I'm just curious to learn more about it. I'm sure my audience would like to hear about your work with it too. So mudras are part of the yogic paradigm. So in yoga, 
the physical body is considered to be a microcosm of the universe. Nice. Okay. So within us, we have multiple maps. We have a map on our face. We have maps on our hands. We have maps on our feet, like reflexology, right? Reflexology points. And uh, specifically in the science of Ayurveda, which is the Indian um, modality for finding wellness and balance, uh, you have you have various um, well you have various ways of going about bringing balance back into the system. So mudras are it's hand yoga, right? It's hand mudra means gesture, and um, mudras can be used to. Um, let's see, mudras can be used to direct and amplify energy in the body. So if you suffer from high blood pressure, you can find a mudra that will help to lower your blood pressure because in, it goes, Ayurvedic science is ancient and it's deep, right? It's like Chinese traditional medicine. It's much more vast than most Westerners have any kind of concept of, but essentially the elements, it's, it's a system that looks at the element, the elements and their balance in the body mind system and how the different elements are playing out. So if you have excess heat, then you're typically an angry, impulsive, or you skew towards anger, being impulsive towards, um, having a short temper and towards being hot physically, right? People um, who have like a carry muscle easily on their bodies, right? And they, uh, they get, you know, those like people who, who turn red really easily, right? That's an excess in heat, an excess in fire element. And then you have um, people who become anxious or they stop sleeping very well. Um, that's an excess of wind. Right. So it's all about finding out sort of what your dosha dosha is your, um, your, your makeup, your, your physical energetic makeup finding out. And typically more, we have the, we have all three of them within us, um, in different ratios, but you can, this all goes to say, you can use your hands to balance your energy, right? So I share a lot of mudras in my reels and in my videos, because you don't have to know how they work, right? You don't have to know. So each of your fingers uh, relates to an element and a planet. And, um, and then each of those things relates to different aspect of our lives. And when we we, we amplify or cut off the energy in those specific hands or specific fingers with specific gestures, then we can direct the energy. So, um, we have to practice them with reverence, you know, in the West, we like to just divorce a practice from its roots and say that now, now we got it. And I'm, you know, I'm a master of it, but you know, really we have to be a bit discerning with it and use our common sense, like anything. But yeah, it's a powerful tool. The same thing with mantra. Mantra is uh, sound, sound yoga, right? Mm -hmm. Sound vibrational healing that, you know, when we have, when we're looking to begin something, we can use sound to help activate our energy and get us going. If we're looking to uh, soothe a grieving heart, we can use sound to activate and come into resonance with a vibration of love and, and sweetness, right? So it's, it's similar, you know, we have these different, um, pieces of yoga that are not mainstream, but that in India, uh, are considered traditional, you know, yoga is, uh, it's a whole pie. It's not just, 
uh, the asana that we have created it to be in uh, in the West. The West loves to take take it and make it its own thing. Loves right? it, loves it. And the more the weirder it looks, and the more pretzely and bendy you are, then you know the the, the better yogi or better yogini you are, right? Obviously, that's <laughs> right. what that means. <laughs> It's okay. So this is cool. You went right where I thought you were going to go. So (laughs) I love when that happens. Um, So I'm all, I've always been interested in like runes. I'm not sure if you've ever looked into them, but um, I've been looking into the origin of runes um, based on a lot of Scandinavian, Scandinavian uh, mythology and folklore. And it seems that the, the root of, of yoga is tied to symbols that they were trying to make with their body, which they called runes. And if we know what runes are, which is in, I would say a very loose connection would be similar to sigil magic. Uh, what you describe with the mudras, if I'm not, yeah, it's, it seems very connected to me. And I'm just curious if you had any, I don't know any thoughts about that, that maybe these, these uh, pagan heathen, you know, these terms even sound familiar in some ways that it all kind of came from a a similar tradition, maybe long ago. I don't know. I think that I, I, that, I mean, that feels like a yes to me. I have Nordic roots as well. And um, I've been, I know very little about rune working with runes, but I'm very interested and what I know of the roots of yoga is that it's a, it's a path towards reclaiming total responsibility for your awakening, right. And coming into union with back into, into universal consciousness. So it's about learning how to practice being that in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And it would make total sense to me that, you know, as my mother says, she's like, ideas are ideas. They go everywhere. You know, like because, <laughs> because as I'm doing yoga, I read, I read, I read yogic texts and uh, I was brought up Jewish mm-hmm. and I say, gosh, this really sounds like this holiday, or this sounds like this bit of Jewish wisdom that I was brought up with. And I asked my mother and she's like, of course it's in Judaism. That's it's old as the Hills, right? Ideas, you know, we forget because we live in a moment where we, we think that the only way for information to travel is online, <laughs> but we forget that people used to walk the world and collect ideas. And that, of course, there would be, I mean, to me, the fact that there, I, so I study goddess yoga mm. and there are Nordic goddesses who feel like the same vibrational truth as the Hindu goddesses, which feel like the same vibrational truth of Egyptian and Greek goddesses. And Greek goddesses were the ones who drew me into the path first, before I even knew what was happening in middle school, I was drawn onto the goddess path. And, um, and so I believe, I feel like that there must be similar roots and it makes perfect sense to me that there would be, um, tools of divination and tools of alignment and tools of, of um, how we work with harnessing universal intelligence and our relationship with it, right? That are all, that have these similar threads of wisdom throughout the world. Yeah, it's like we're all, we're all human, so we're going to have specific tools, you know? And it's we not going to be random throughout time. We're human and we're designed... Be- 
and because we're we're not man-made, right? We're we're made of universal intelligence, or you could say God or goddess or whatever word you like, mm-hmm. but we're made to not to to want more, right? We're mm-hmm. we're made to seek. We're made to expand our our consciousness and to evolve ourselves. So we are inherently designed, and just like you said, there are going to be ways that repeat themselves, right? They're drumming. People have sent me drumming tracks um, from like Nordic and Celtic uh, drummers, drumming groups that feel. I mean, it's right, and it's the same. You know, it's obviously it's different drums, right? right. But um, but in India, drums are used, and in Africa, drums are used. And I mean, even if you just look at that and how percussion changes us and brings us into resonance with different states of being, it's profound, right? So we're gonna look, no matter where we're from in the world, we're going to seek and we're going to try to find. Um, we're going to try to access that thing, the stuff that's bigger than us, whatever names we call it. I think that, yeah, it's going to look sort of similar. They're going to be similar threads. That's great. I like that. I like getting that confirmation because it's like we're building this big puzzle all together, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. we're all coming from these very different cultures. And I think that this is the best time to be alive to see th- it's a painful process perhaps in some ways, but the breaking down of these differences is such a profound thing. And that's why we have so much pushback. It feels like, because we're really starting to come into it and we're starting to see where the connections really are. Well, and waking up into your sovereignty is quite uncomfortable. Waking up into your responsibility and the fact that, um, you know, that you do have a choice about things and, (laughs) and that you are responsible for what you bring into a space. Right. Uh, that's, that's quite uncomfortable. And I think that most that many of the people who, who don't want, who are resisting what's happening right now, or just kind of going along to go to get along, right. Trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, um, appease whatever system they're following. Um, that's very uncomfortable too, because they know they're lying to themselves on some level. Right. It's like, it's becoming more and more and more apparent that it's, that it's false. It doesn't work. And so for some of us, we've thought, you know, since week one or week two, we went, uh, nope, this isn't how viruses work. This isn't how society works. This isn't how humanity works. This isn't how evolution works. Like, nope, 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 nope. Right. And then, um, a lot of people, we've just been indoctrinated to give our power away, right. To the medical community, especially, right. The doctor knows best. The doctor knows my body better than I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've put doctor in the place of God and we've been just, and we've, we've done that with the government as well. We've an education too. Absolutely. We've just completely removed our relationships with divinity. And, you know, that's, that's okay because divinity doesn't need to be proven to anybody or, de- or defended. Um, but at some point that comes and bites you in the ass. Right. And then you're forced to say, Oh, maybe I'm not in control. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get to say, you asked for all of it. Absolutely <laughs> you right. Know? You signed up. You signed up. Oh, that's what, that's what I find myself talking about. And I'm sure some of my listeners might, you know, think it's a broken record thing, but it's this um this artificial uh mimicry is what I, I like to refer to it as. It's like, and you can you see it in all all religions too, which is why I think part of the truth community that we're all kind of a lot of us are a part of, there's this sect that's like if they weren't religious before they've almost become biblical in their lives because they're like, Oh my God, like 
okay, so you're telling me there's a group in charge of everything that doesn't seem to ever do anything for itself. It gets you to do it for them and they only benefit and they deceive it. This is every religious story and it's, 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 uh, it's confounding and it's, it's, it's crazy that we're, we're witnessing it like this now. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky, right? Religion, you know, no matter what the religion is, it's still man-made and it's still filtered through egos. And so we have to be so discerning. And part of what's happened in the West, especially, is we've lost the muscle of discernment, right? We just, we don't use it. We just kind of trust that what the government is saying or what the church is saying or what the doctor is saying is right and that they have our best interest at heart. And um, unfortunately, it, it doesn't work, right? At some point you have to go, oh, wait, um, if, if people are part of it, then egos, I mean, that's... That's just, we're, we're fallible, right? Pe- right. Egos are not the truth, right? The, an individual is not the tr- truth. Um, and so we have to start untangling all the things. It was very uncomfortable for me. Um, I used to perceive myself as died in the blue liberal. And I, um, my That's family, awesome. yeah, my family. Yeah. And I just, I thought that that was the way to be a good human being. Right. And my husband has always been a little bit more middle of the road and conservative than I. And uh, in the last year and a half, especially, I've had multiple breakdowns and grieving processes. And I'm sure if some members of my family hear me talking, they don't probably don't realize how far away I've moved from that mentality. Um, But it, you know, I'm not interested in lying and I'm not, and both my husband and I are not interested in uh, shying away from confrontation any longer. So it just is what it is. You know, it's like, we won't, I I hope to not be defensive and angry, but um, we're not going to tell, to, to tell lies anymore. And so, and then we started listening. I started listening to Tom Soule and studying his work and other brilliant men, um, Martin Friedman, um, you know, the old, the old guys who've been around and been watching history repeat itself and have can actually see what happened in history. When you take the lens of, um, of indoctrination, you know, off and you just look at what happened and what actually happened and you broaden your perspective, it's like, oh man, the, the left has just missed the mark so many times, like with well-intentioned, you know, mm-hmm. like what, what's the saying is the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so I've had to unravel um, a lot of my identity and I've lost a lot of people and it's been quite uncomfortable, but it's not a reason. It's not a reason to lie to myself. It's not a reason to live in that, um, that cognitive dissonance. That's quite, I think that's worse for me, for me, that's, that's not an option. Well, I agree with you, and I, I, I didn't realize just how important this conversation was going to be. Honestly, I thought it was going to be great and fun, but I didn't realize that like you feel like yourself, you were indoctrinated by the left, where like I always felt liberal, but it just it was kind of like a gradual thing for me over time. It was just like okay, it's two wings to flap one bird. Okay, now I see. But like, it's it's really good to have someone who can say that about the past couple of years because so many of us that grew up raging against the machine are looking at all of our friends who are, and I'm stealing this from Sam Tripoli, raging on behalf of the machine, it yeah. seems now, got hoodwinked 
it's like these are our people we all watch the same documentaries we all hugged the same tree we all accepted the same gay person when it wasn't even acceptable in the late 90s for christ's sake like we were those people and now suddenly on a cultural level on a moral level on a political level on every level it at first it feels like the left has been hijacked away from you but then you step back again and you go, oh, it was never for us. It was right. using. It was never what we thought it was. It was never when I learned about the was it the Republican Party that was founded to uh, eradicate slavery? I was right. like, what? Blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then let's not let's not love too hard on the other side either. No, of right. Right, right, right. No, no, no. I'm not saying I don't, I'm, no. I'm not on either. I don't, I don't affiliate with either party. I'm, I'm Absolutely. North somewhere, you know, uh, without moving away from labels, but, um, but just understanding the history that we weren't taught in school and understanding that there was another side, like there, there's more information than, than it was, than was given freely in school. And, uh, and beginning to broaden my perspective and listen to these, like I said, I mean, these scholars and these people who've just looked and people say, well, they're, they don't have any compassion or empathy. And it's like, actually, when you understand, when you become clear about what happens when you try to hand somebody something, when you try to give a handout and how that disempowers somebody and you become clear about what is nice versus what is kind. And uh, that that shifts things. So I'm really not a nice person. And people <laughs> think that I am because I smile and um, I do yoga, right? People think, oh, she's, <laughs> she's nice and she's, I'm fun, right? I'm fun for sure. But when you are a patient in my office, I'm, I don't, I don't lie to you, right? And it's like, what? you know, what have you been doing? Tell me about your lifestyle, right? Tell me about your food you're eating. Tell me about what you, what do you do for your, for movement? Right. And most people are like, well, I go to the gym a few times a week. Right. And I'm like, well, that's, that leaves how many hours a day, right? How many days a week where you're not do, where you're not moving. Right. And, um, and I'm not asking people to work out all day. That's not, that's not the kind of movement that I'm talking about. I'm just talking about moving your body, right? Like just being, in movement rather than in stillness um yeah, you know so those, you know those like wind up flashlights that you get you know the you just got to keep the energy moving we're like little yeah. batteries right right <laughs> and the more that you move the better you feel i mean that's it's astonishing how true it is right but i see it and if you're hurt if you're injured if something is damaged you need to move more right and we're taught to just coddle and rest and i'm not saying that we don't need rest you know, we need, but we need real rest. You need to turn off the internet and turn off your devices and move into meditation and move into stillness and learn how to do that and nourish your soul, right? Or go to sleep, go to sleep and rest, right? But this, this like half rest, you know, being vaguely stimulated, um, dopamine hits from scrolling on social media, like that yeah. does not, uh, that doesn't create well-being. Um, and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when people, when we start to realize how much we have control over and how little or how, how much we've just allowed ourselves to move into habits that don't serve us. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, one thing that I, 
gained from my psychedelic experiences was like a very abrasive physical feeling of how I was not taking care of my body mm. where like you of course psychedelics will do it to you spiritually and mentally and you know help with all sorts of things but it was interesting to feel like my bones were out of place my everything was just not correct and maybe that does start in the brain and it was just a a feeling I was manifesting but regardless it's interesting when you, you know, you were talking about the micro, the body being our microcosm and that famous saying of, if we could only feel what we do to the world, we would change in an instant. Mm. And it feels like we're maybe going through that macrocosm now yes. of that, you know, we on an individual level have to change and we have to go into our darkness and figure it all out. And do you think we're doing that on a global level right now? Uh, yeah, I think it, there's a rapid awakening, right? Mm. So what happens with um, with ascension is that first you have to look at all of your darkness, right? And you have to learn. So this is how, this is just my very personal uh, goddess yoga perspective. So this perhaps won't resonate, but for me, the, the chaos and the whole, the darkness and the distortion and the evil, mm. they're holy too. They're sacred. And, um, and so on the, on the goddess path of yoga, we take all of life as sacred. So the good things and the bad things, the things that we like and the things that we abhor, they're all expressions of the goddess. The goddess is all of manifested reality. And what darkness is, what, what demons are, um, they are distorted light. They are distorted or frozen patterns of energy that require us to pay attention in different ways in order to thaw the energy and to get it moving again. So a big part of what I do and, and how I look at the world is how can I transmute this? How can I increase my capacity to feel uncomfortable? Because our systems don't, we don't like obviously it's uncomfortable, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't want to sit with it. Right. And we've been trained to um to move into pleasure and to move away from discomfort as quickly as possible, right? You have a headache, you take an aspirin, mm -hmm. right? Easy. And so, um, so I think that what's happening right now on sort of a massive level is that finally the darkness is fully expressing itself and we've been pushing it away. We've been trying not to look for a long time. And now it's becoming deeply clear how, how much control, how deeply we've been manipulated, um, how distorted the stories have become, right? It's now coming up in a very loud way, right? Now we have access to everything all the time and we can see if we have eyes to look, we can see how, how deeply distorted it has been. And so a lot of people are having a lot of physical discomfort in this process, right? We have more anxiety, we have more stress, we have more, um, I mean, I don't even know how many flare-ups I've had in my office of people having their weird things be like, I wasn't doing anything, but now my, my threw my back out, right? Or I was sneezed and threw my back out, right? Something really innocuous, but that's an indicator that there's tension in the system that we're not aware of. And on a physical level, our, our nervous system is only aware of 5% of what's going on in and around us at any given moment. And so that other 95% um, generally runs just fine. But when we're in a moment of 
ascension or a moment of transformation, we start to become aware, right? We start, we, the, our capacity broadens and we have an opportunity for, for exquisite healing. Um, but we have to feel it, right? We have, you have to feel in order to heal. It's one of those obnoxiously true aphorisms. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I think is, it's what I witness is happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, for me, it's not about, um, feeding the chaos anymore. It's about saying, yes, there is that. And the, the only thing that drives out darkness is light, right? So I anchor deeper and deeper into that. And I increase my, as I increase my own capacity to feel discomfort and to allow energy to move through me, I open up that capacity for people around me. That's why I practice. Excellent. And um, what, what comes to mind these days for me is, you know, be spiritual, be spiritual, but remain vigilant. Um, because, and not to keep going down like any dark paths, but we, the reason why I say vigilance is because it seems to me that when you have people quote unquote, waking up, right. Ascension, right. Beginning their process, they're at their most vulnerable state and easily led, I would say. And that's where it seems the snake oil peddlers uh, wait <laughs> with frothing mouths. Where So I was just curious about your take on, you know, through your journey, learning from so many different sources. Uh, similar to me, I, I, I'm, I'm very multi, I'm interested in very many different cultures and different ways of looking at these specific things. And I'm finding that, a lot of it gets co-opted and a lot of it gets um, what's the word? Like, not that it's not true all the time, but they, they pepper, there's a lot of like misinformation peppered into even spiritual practices. And I've said this before on the podcast, and maybe this is me just putting my tinfoil hat on, but the fact that BlackRock is like sweeping around and it just like eating up every bit of, everything in this world and they also own gaia you know and i'm not mm. saying that everyone on gaia is this evil lizard person nothing like that but there's <laughs> got to be something to be said there with the spiritual movement itself kind of there's an attempt on it right there's an attempt to there's an attempt it. everywhere i think okay. that i mean i think that that's that's it's just like any other institution mm -hmm. right we've created um we've created more institutions for ourselves and we don't want to or we don't know how to do the work for ourselves and so we look for teachers and the more I think the more you're looking for somebody to show you the way the more of course the more vulnerable you are to misinformation and to those people who are distorting the teachings I think the answer is you have to go back to original sacred text and you have to go within yourself right I'll ultimately any kind of awakening, there's no one who can facilitate that for you, right? Because that's not an outside in job, right? It's just like healing. I can't do anything to you that's going to heal you. I can't, there's nothing I can say to you that's going to make you get it all of a sudden, right? Um, you have to go within yourself and it's uncomfortable to do that. And there are tools, you know, but basically it's, 
it's shut up and no God, right? Like it's, right. <laughs> it's be quiet. It's just be quiet and, and be with yourself and, and increase your capacity to do that. Right. And if that means that you begin with one minute every day, then you begin with one minute. But for me, I'm, I'm vigilant. I study Torah. I study, um, the, you know, I study the Bhagavad Gita I study and I, and I find different translators because I don't read Hindi or Sanskrit, um, yet. Oh, Sanskrit is like so much harder than I want it to be. Um, but I'm slowly, slowly working on it. Um, but you know, until I have that ability, I still, um, you know, with, even with Torah, I do read Hebrew, but I don't, I don't have the, um, the vocabulary of biblical Hebrew. Right. So I, I need, you know, I get as many different translations as possible. And then I find a word or a passage and I, you know, that speaks to me and I bring it into my meditation and I, and I digest it and I see what I get from it. Right. And the process for me of the yoga of intellect, jnana yoga is is that process of refining that muscle of discernment because essentially all thoughts, good and bad are lies, right? Because they're thoughts because they're, they're based in ego. And so we have to come into a place of stillness where there's no thought and we're beyond, um, we're beyond our limited perception of ourself and the world. And that is, that's the path, right? And then once you have that experience, no one can take that away from you. And you give it the sniff test, right? If a teacher is coming to you and you're like something here doesn't feel quite right i actually yeah. had, to leave, I had to leave my goddess yoga teacher who had helped me hugely hugely i was devoted to her and all of a sudden uh she jumped deeply onto the bandwagon of what is uh of what is attractive these days and i started to get uncomfortable and I ignored my discomfort for probably another year. And then finally, it was so blatant. I, uh, my body actually shakes as I talk about it. I couldn't, I couldn't deny. And I had, I, I really had a, several breakdowns in my identity around it because I had put so much uh, love at her feet. And I felt like it was just all being thrown back in my face. And I felt like it was a lie. Like I, I was wrong in how I was thinking about it. And thank goodness, I have girlfriends and a husband who I could call and say, I, I, you know, here's how I'm thinking about this. And is this, is this right? Or, or is this right? You know, I, I really didn't know for, there were months where I didn't know anything and that's very uncomfortable. And, um, and I had to just do a lot of sitting and listening and, uh, and ultimately learned that there's no teacher, right? So my very first yoga teacher, um, there are places where I disagree with her. And um, I've just learned, uh, there are voices that I have come into deep resonance with who I I can feel the truth in what they share and, and how they share it. Uh, but we have to be so careful about where we assign power. And somebody can have a nugget of wisdom or be uh, an enzyme or a catalyst for a process for us. Um, and it doesn't matter what their intention is, right? Like they're just offering. And for some reason 
we go oh, and something is hit in us and we take it and we go, thank you. And it's like, you don't owe them anything else, right? Like you don't, you don't have to continue yeah. to um, engage, but we've, but we've distorted that guru disciple relationship in the West as well, right? We think that you got to be all in with the teacher and you've got to be just obeying whatever they say in order to be a good spiritual aspirant. And that is not, um, that doesn't serve us, right? That's not true. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. A wise friend be. once told me spiritual principles are always aligned. And yeah. that hit me like a ton of bricks because there was never a way for me to explain how I can, I can tell when this, when someone gets it, because it's like, we have an internal, I have an internal, for me, this is how I do it. It is an internal image or a vision that you can map out here in the external world. But again, a lot of it's a hall of mirrors and yeah. you kind of got to really discern where, you know, what's trustworthy and what's not. And we're yeah, and give us a sniff right? test. Yeah, yeah I like sniff. that. That's what my husband says all the time. He's like, look, if this doesn't smell right, it's not right. And you can mm -hmm. trust your gut. We've just been, we've just been so divorced from that, right? Yeah, divorced I talk about that often. Yeah, yeah, that like gut health is like, all the rage now it's like the new thing right we all joe rogan's talking about gut health it's <laughs> because we've been divorced from every part of it even the fun metaphor of go with your gut man like that whole idea has just been lost and right. maybe this is the archaic revival but we do have to remain vigilant because i do see a lot of um you know, when I was younger, I was still like, I would consider myself almost like an atheist and I loved all the quantum physics of everything, but it was, it was removing something that I wasn't seeing because mm. you can get lost in the idea that, Hey, did you hear that? Most of everything we touch is all vacuum. Nothing's even, it's all illusion. The physical plane is bullshit, man. <laughs> but what I'm learning over the past, like half a decade is that like, Oh, it's the Trinity. Oh, it's part mm. of the damn Trinity. It's fucking alchemy. Mm. You literally have to have the physical is not just something we can toss out yeah. with all the, you know, singularity transhumanist crap that's coming down the road. You when know? I was in, um, when I was in college, I, I, my dad gave me a book on philosophy mm. and I was like, I read it and, um, I was sitting at the kitchen table and he came in and he said, are you okay? And I was like, my head was in my hands and I was like, I was having a moment. And I was like, dad, I really don't think, I really don't know what's real anymore. He goes, okay, that's fine. I'm going to, do you need a sandwich? And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, this isn't real. Like our, like our lives. He said, well, well, kid, you got a physical body and you got, you, you got a life to live. So whether it's real or not, I'm, it doesn't matter. You need a sandwich and you need a shower. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, 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 and now, and so, and the, and, and, and the, yo I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a wise man. Right. Uh, yeah. And he, and, um, and goddess yoga, the yoga I practice is the same. It's like the holiness of our physical expression and that quality that you're talking about of vigilance, that to me, that's an expression of, of masculine energy, 
right there. So there the feminine is. <laughs> is designed to feel and express and be in communication and to manifest and to create and destroy and to change all the time. And the man and the masculine's job, the masculine role, and I'm not, and this is in all of us all the time, but also in our relationships and in our world is to hold space and to guard, right? Because without that, she, she needs to be, she needs something to, um, contain her a little bit, right? Because when force is just moving without any containment and without any kind of vigilance or anything guarding it, it is destructive. It doesn't work for very long. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's, yeah, there's a story. If you want, I will give you the story if you want the myth of Kali and Shiva. So, um, so there's a great battle of, demons uh the demons are winning the battle and uh the battle starts off with the goddess durga she's the mother goddess in hinduism and she's fierce she's a fierce goddess she's riding this tiger and she gives birth to all the other goddesses during this battle and finally there's a demon where every time its head is cut off the blood spills and it creates more demons and so the the light is being sort of eliminated by the dark and uh, out of Durga comes Kali and Kali is uh, this terrible form of the goddess. She has this long bloody tongue and she has a necklace of skulls and a, a skirt of arms. And she has a trident and she has this this black, long black hair that's just wild and flowing. And she is wrath. She is wrath. And her skin is dark blue. And she's, oh, she's just, she is wrath personified. Mm. She's also desire. She is magnetism. She is the, the black hole drawing us in. So she is, she's very, very powerful. And she starts to lick up the blood of the demons so that they can't procreate and she licks them up and she eats them. So this is one of the keys that we have is when there are demons, we take them into our body. We feed it to ourselves. We feed that energy of that distorted energy into the body and we can transmute it, right? She transmutes it because it's Shakti. It's all goddess, right? And so she sees, she knows what they are. She's like, well, you're just me. So she just licks them and brings them back into her into herself. And then she's fueled in the, in the rage. She's fueled in the, um, the, the current of battle. And she just starts destroying everything. And she starts destroying the world and what is good in the world. And for a moment, it looks like Kali is going to destroy everything that everywhere, right? And this is the end of universal existence as anybody knows it. And in that moment, there's always a dichotomy. There's always a male and female in Hinduism. So Shiva is her consort and Shiva is the transcendent, um, the, the awareness, the, the big, um, like beyond all God. Mm. And he he goes into the battlefield and he, he says, Kali, Kali, stop, stop, stop. You're ruining. Like he's, he's her husband. He's her lover. He's right. He's there. He's like trying to ground her and he can't. So he lies down. He lies down at her feet and he surrenders himself. And just at the moment where she's about to kill him, 
they lock eyes and she stops. So there's the whole dichotomy, right? Is that he knew exactly what his job was. He had to get in her way. And the only way, and, and to stop her, right? And the only way he was going to do that was to go completely present, right? Like he couldn't, when you're battling with someone and you're trying to, you're seeing what they're doing is wrong, right? That's not, um, that's not holding space for them. That's not, that's not being on the same page, right? Like that's, that's still a dichotomy. So he had to move into surrender, into her totally. And in that moment, uh, it all stopped and she came back to herself and life continued. That's the story. So that vigilance, right? That's him. That's, um, that's the, that's God consciousness. And that is the masculine. And right now, one of the things that I perceive as being vital to what's happening is the masculine reawakening itself into its role as to, uh, as protector and proper, proper role. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's been, it's been completely distorted and masculinity has been taken away from men in a huge way. And something that's completely vital to me is, um, is men reawakening that primitive instinct to protect and to hold space, right. And to, uh, to be that vigilance so that the women can do the work of the healing and the reconnecting, right? That's our job, right? So a woman shouldn't be, well, ideally, a woman should not be like making those decisions about wearing, about masking her children, right? Like the man, the man should be like walking out in front without a mask, right? <laughs> right, just looking like a dude, right? Yep. And so, and how many, how many families were we seeing at the beginning of this where like the woman with her kids, they wouldn't be wearing masks and the guy would. And oh. it's like, what are you? doing it's painful what are you doing it's very uncomfortable right very very uncomfortable so that to me is like that vigilance that you speak of that is um that is a man waking up into himself and um, i love that story because again with the distortion of masculinity shiva doesn't stop her with violence or force no. he stops her with the complete opposite because it's all about discernment as well as vigilance you know? yeah absolutely yeah he stops her by by moving directly into her path yeah. and saying yes to her and that's so in relationships when a man when a woman is going nuts or the feminine <laughs> part of the relationship is going crazy when the masculine part can go give it to me i'm here with you I'm here. Give it to me, babe. I'm here. I can take it. I can take your anger. You need to cry. You need to scream. Got it. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Right. And he can be in that space with her. It burns up fast. Right. Because she just has to move. (laughs) Right. Well, I'm trying to get my husband to get it. Right. (laughs) Me too. We're all right. We all have this. Right. And sometimes the man needs to also be the one to fly off the handle. But when a man is flying off the handle, the woman does not need to be saying no to him. Right. We don't, we don't need our partner to go. You are wrong in your, in your emotions. Right. Like that's not productive. You say you've got to get the emotion when an emotion an emotion is a chemical cascade it moves through your body and if you just let it move through your body it's done in 60 seconds 
and it's done. You burn it up. Right. And then afterwards you can perpetuate it for longer with your judgments and your stories and your resentment. Right. And you can do that, but it's like when you can just be with an emotion and say yes to it and let it play through you, you can catalyze it so quickly. And then you, and then it's not hanging. Then it's like, there's the relief that comes after. And we are made more every time we allow that to happen, right? Because we're evolving our nervous system, creating new neural patterns. But that's like, to me, so the reason I do goddess yoga is uh, it's the same thing, right? It's the same as as like our physical bodies are the same as the gods and goddesses. It's the same thing as, um, you know, it's, all, it's all mirroring each other, I guess. As it's above, so below, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you were telling the Kali story, I couldn't help but think more along like an esoteric Gnostic kind of way about the, the, the Demiurge. Are you familiar with the story from Gnosticism about, Sophia and the Demiurge, where it's no, like, oh, dude, okay, I'll give you a little bit, but research it yourself. You'll love okay. it. It's okay. right up your alley. Yes. So the Demiurge is like the actionable side of Sophia, where Sophia is more of this intention, but okay. Sophia is also the creator. She's, okay. she's, she's the God of everything, Yeah. but nothing comes into existence until the Demiurge. The Demiurge is the representation to me I'm not alone, but I'm not universally accepted on this, but the Demiurge is the representation of the physical entirely. And the Demiurge is linked to, to demonic stuff. It's, it's linked to all these things, but it's, it's the ego. It's the right. egoic side of this system that we have. And so, yeah, definitely look into that. I think you'd really, really like the, uh, the symbolism in well, Gnosticism for sure. Right. And, you know, and it can definitely, I mean, that's the thing, that's the piece is the ego can, to me, the ego, that is that um, satanic or demonic or, you know, like those dark things. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, when your ego is running the show and you are deep, I mean, you you can get lost in the most uh, distorted patterns, right? And um, and, and I mean, myself included, I, I am, I do, I'm not, I'm not like this, like perfect, like, <laughs> believe me, there are plenty of arguments in my house. Right. But, <laughs> um, but we, but when the ego is running the show, it, it's not designed to, our ego is designed to be, um, to be a container for how we live in the world. Right. Like we, we have to have some kind of self maker right? Like the I maker, the ahamkara, Mm -hmm. the I maker is our identity. It's how we can relate to other people in a physical world, right? That we live in, but it's not the master. And most of us, like in how we've been um, misassigning our power and we've been ignoring our inner voice and our inner path and cutting off ourselves from the idea that we're made of universal intelligence, uh, we've, we've given the ego much, much more power than, um, than it deserves. And my husband and I kind of, I don't know that we argue about this, but he, you know, because for him, Satan is something a little bit different. Right. But for me, it's that distorted egoic, um, disconnection from source energy from God. That's how I understand it. And I, but I'm not a Christian and I'm, you know, he is, and, but I'm not, and I, uh, 
And so there's just like a little bit of a dissonance there, but to me, it's, you know, just being willing to open our eyes and to acknowledge that our thinking mind can get us in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's the important thing for me, you know? Hell yeah. And just, I like to say that you don't kill your ego, you hug your ego and you let it know it's done enough. <laughs> right, right. It's time. It's time to just be a little quieter. To yeah. just take a back seat. Yeah. 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 So, well, trying to kill it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. It's it's part of you. That's all there is to it, you know. So again, it's about removing the body. Don't remove the body, you know, train the body. So right. before we wrap up, um, I just wanted to touch briefly on on parenting and and becoming aware parent more aware parents and and dealing with such contrast out there in the public versus trying to raise my son a certain way and i'm sure you've you've run into a lot of a lot of those same contrasts and i was just curious how you've been navigating parenthood over throughout how this increase in crises has has occurred over the past two years and and how that's either helped or hindered or 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 transformed parenting for you yeah i well so i guess the biggest transformation is that we homeschool right because um we don't want our son to be indoctrinated into these paradigms that we consider dangerous at this point And, um, yeah, my son, uh, so I had a very traumatic birth. Uh, I almost died giving birth and my son came through completely fine and has been, and he's a, he's an expression. He's, he's, he's a, I think he's a very high being, honestly. I'm sure many parents say that, but so the word in Hebrew is domim, which is an earth spirit. They're the earth spirits in Hebrew. And his name is Demetrius, uh, which is the same root D that D E M or D O M that D M sound. And Demeter is the first goddess who called me onto the path. So, um, he he's an expression of that right and he's an expression of and really carries with him an extraordinary amount of strength and empathy and it's really fascinating to be his mom because he's also just a four and a half year old boy who's kind of a dick sometimes right oh man this sounds like my kid (laughs) yeah right i mean just is what it is right there it's amazing and it's humbling and it's very uncomfortable a lot Mm. so um so we, you know, we talk, he knows that, um, that mommy does, you know, mommy worships the goddess. Right. And he knows that we, and we, and we light candles on Shabbat evening. I think that the last year and a half has given us a deeper sense of ritual, a deeper connection to what is, you know, what the rituals are in our family and our home. And, um, you know, we've prioritized being outside and watching the earth and living with the earth. So right now we live in a condo, which is a little bit less ideal for us, but we bought it not, you know, we're like, okay, our forever home is out there and, you know, soon we will get it. Right. And then this happened and we were like, really would be nice to have our own land right now, but you know, that is what it is, right? It will happen when the time is right, but we're very fortunate. We have beautiful neighbors who are very sweet and who are protective of us and kind. And, um, and we found connections with local farms and 
you know, we've made it, you know, we make it work. And, and we've had lots of conversations about why we don't wear masks Mm -hmm. and except like at the dentist's office, right. It's like, or at the doctor's office, it's like, okay, dude, (laughs) you know, these are not doctors like mommy and daddy are doctors. These doctors are the people who are the most afraid. Right. And Mm -hmm. they, they don't think they're afraid, but, 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 but this is, this is fear. Right. And trying to teach discernment to a four year old, um, and he's like, you know, he's loud about it. He's like, I hate wearing this mask. It feels, it makes me feel angry. And I'm like, that's right. It makes me feel angry too. Right. And we're going to do it while the doctor is in the room with us. And then as soon as he leaves, we can take it off, you know, and we just, we go through all of that. Um, sometimes he asks, why are people, you know, in the grocery store? Cause I've been taking him grocery shopping with me, uh, without a mask for months and months and months. And, um, He'd be like, why are all the people wearing masks? And I say, because that makes them feel more comfortable, right? Because they're afraid because they don't understand. Right. And, um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm as kind. He saw one, there was one terrible moment where we went to target and someone tried to force me to wear a mask and I wouldn't, and I stood my ground, but then I cried and it was, it, I mean, the man was not kind about it. Right. And my, my son was with me. And so he saw the man make mommy cry. Uh, about a mask. And so he's, you know, he's seen, I'm not, I can't hide anything. I don't hide anything from anybody. I have a terrible poker face and I'm an (laughs) awful liar. And, um, and so we're very honest, you know, about he'll, he asks questions about it and uh, we're as honest and clear as we can be. Right. But it's, you know, it's like, um, yeah, at some point soon, he's going to realize that he's more different than he realizes. And, um, we're going to have to navigate that. So we just sort of pray to be, um, present with him as much as possible and Mm -hmm. to keep up with his, uh, his light, because it's really, you know, I mean, he's just charming and wonderful in the world. And I think he makes people fall in love with him everywhere he goes. And I think that's really the medicine that the world needs is just remembering that people are not, um, a threat, you know, we're, we're not, you know, my healthy boy and, and my healthy self, we are, we're, you know, we're not, we're not dangerous to you. Right. Um, yeah. so, and just grounding him in that and, and, uh, you know, Oh, goddess forbid someone try to attack him in front of me because that oh. I, I, it won't, it, it won't go well for them. Holly would come out. <laughs> she absolutely, I have a strong relationship. <laughs> relationship with her i have no problem she's on speed dial (laughs) she's on speed dial. (laughs) such a good way of putting it oh robin this was so great to talk to you and and we could go on and i have more stuff to talk to you about another time for sure if you're up i would love to all right so tell my good people that listen and watch where they can find you uh my website is embodiedmyth.com and i'm on instagram as body prayers Cool. And yeah, she has amazing content. She's got so much content. You're always posting new information and it's always in the vein of self-empowerment and love and healing. And I I love all of it. And it's been so great to get to know you, Robin. Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime for sure. It would be my pleasure. Absolutely, Andy. All right. Great. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time.
Hey! Human sacrifice, dogs and cats swimming together, that's hysteria! Enough! I get the point! <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature! <laughs> and you will atone! What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.